everyone. Um, my Skype is a little weird this evening, so if I get cut off, don't be surprised. Because um, it took me like, I don't know, eight phone calls to get the damn thing to connect to begin with. First, I'd like to make an announcement on Cisco's behalf. He is a thousand percent done with winter. He went outside, looked at the snow, took a piss, came back in the house, and has no interest whatsoever in going back outside since. No, no, he's done. He's done with it. <clears throat> in other news, I um, have chosen the theme for uh, April's Rough Trade. We'll be doing second chances, and there is no stipulation on this. It can be reincarnation, it can be time travel, it can be uh, uh, reunions, star-crossed lovers. Just, I don't care. Don't ask me any questions. I will be cleaning off Rough Trade. Let me look at the date. I think it's March 1st. Yes, I clean off. Rough Trade on March 1st, and then we will immediately um, go into the sign-up phase of that. Our maximum word count for April is 40,000 words. Not 100, not 50, not 200. Jilly, are you listening? You're you're listening. 40K. I'm going to limit myself to our goal is to write 40,000 words and no more. I'm so I'm not writing Harry Potter because <laughs> there's no way I'll make 40k if I write Harry Potter. I'm probably gonna write. Um, I'm actually considering uh, a new fandom combination, kinda. Um, um, your minimum word count is gonna be 30 for those of you who are interested in knowing that, and it'll all go up pretty soon um, as far as the challenge goes. And um, I'm actually considering an NCIS. Um, Hawaii Five-O crossover with Tony and Steve as a pairing. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm kind of on the fence about it. I think it's a good opportunity to explore that. Um, that maybe they met while Tony was um, an agent afloat, and then they reconnect when he goes back to Hawaii. When he moves to Hawaii, I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm working it. I'm I'm working it. I'm I'm pretty interested in the idea, so we'll see how it goes. Anyways, um, tonight's topic is about second drafts, and AU asked, actually the comment's pretty big, but basically the question is, is how do you approach the process of rewriting something you've already written? What happens is, is that, you know, she's actually questioning me about, um, you know, the, the rewrite on Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, which I wrote a long time before. And then um, the Sentinels of Atlantis that I lost and had to rewrite. Now, when it came to rewriting Sentinels of Atlantis, because I did lose quite a lot. I, I, upwards of, I don't know, 15 episodes that I lost. I mean, it was a great deal of, of I lost a lot. Um, over 100K, um, maybe a little more. And I, what I had to do with that is replot. Because I could not, I could not make myself rewrite those stories as I originally wrote them, so I had to, um, 
I just went in an entirely different direction. And when it came to Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, um, I had to slash and burn because some things were just ridiculous because of my age when I wrote it, and and some of it um, no longer matched the parts of canon that I that I wanted to explore, and um, just there were just lots of things about it that, that I had to rework, um, and. Uh, just, you know, I had to let go of things and move things around and delete things. Well, not actually delete, just remove and put in a different file. Because I never really delete anything. But what you learn um, when you're going through that second draft process, no matter how it happens, is that you have to um, learn, you have to learn to let go. You have to uh, step aside and, and look at it as from an objective point of view, if it's entirely possible. You have to ask yourself questions. Um, does this work? Is this, um, do I need this? Or is it in here because it's vanity? And there are lots of times in my writing where there are scenes that take place that serve no point, absolutely no point for my plot, but they really amuse me. Or... Um, Chris asked for sex because that happens a lot too. You know, insert sex. And there, this is a great place for a blowjob. Okay, Chris, there's a, a okay blowjob. <laughs> insert blowjob. <laughs> but you know, so it becomes a. Um, I think that I give myself, no, I not think, I know I give myself a lot more freedom in fandom than I do um, when I'm writing works that are going to be um, professionally published. My professional works tend to be really tight and um, plot-oriented, and um, the character development goes boom, boom, boom. You know, it's just there's a method um, that I use that I I allow myself to slack a little bit when it comes to fan fiction because it's my hobby and it's how I relax and, and stretch my mind and, and play with ideas and play with concepts and um, approach uh, problems that I find professionally that I can't afford to take risks with. You know, um, or they're just not available to me professionally for one reason or another. I think one of the most interesting stretches I ever did as a writer in fandom is that when I wrote In the Blood. And um, I continuously killed John and Rodney over and over again in that story. And it's all being told from a past point of view. So here's John and Rodney alive talking about what happened to them in the past and, you know, being revived and what Rodney had to do to get them free of that. And um, it was, it really kind of a movement in a story was it was a stretch for me because I'd never really done something that way. And another one um, that I think is um, also uh, that was a plot stretch. I was I was moving myself with the plot, and I think for me one of the um, biggest uh, character moments I have in the Stargate fandom is when I wrote uh, Situations of War, and Rodney had to do what he did and you know how he came home just 
working my way through that and working Rodney's way through situations of war when John had to come to terms with the fact that that Rodney was no longer just a science a scientist and he blamed himself um uh, and for for what had taken place and for where Rodney was and the the moment that Rodney stopped being just a scientist and this is what their circumstances had brought more than one person to Atlantis too, and um, just just that movement for Rodney as a character and John's realization, you know, those character moments that you work through, that's how you stretch yourself as a writer. And I think that in the second draft, you have an opportunity to stretch yourself really far, and you can make you can take lots of risk and movements. Um, and, and if it doesn't work out, you can just pull it out and start over again, you know. So really, I think that. A lot of people dread the second draft and they and they treat it like it's a trial or it or it's gonna be terrible and they don't wanna do it. But I, I kinda view a second draft most of the time as an opportunity to kind of stretch myself and, and move my characters and, and you know, deepen the point of view and, and deepen the plot and just really work my way into my characters' heads so that when so that by the time that this 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 story gets published that you're seeing something that um that I've taken risk with even if you're not aware of it. And so um uh Lady Holder is going to be my guest this evening, so I'm going to put her on the phone. I can figure out which one she oh, there she is. And um We'll see what she thinks about this. Second drafting. Hello, everybody. Second drafting <laughs> is... Um, I normally don't see your stuff until probably what would be considered third or fourth draft. That's, that's um, true. Yeah. I, rare, I rarely get the raw stuff. And the closest I've seen to raw, and, and anybody sees to raw, is um, uh, Rough Trade. And for me, it's it's startling to see. <laughs> Hello, kiddo. Um, it's startling to see how much um, difference there is between the two the two levels. Um, I know one of the things that we've all talked about uh, real recently um, with what we did with our our latest uh, nano is. Um, you know, the, the going back through and adding additional scenes uh, to refine or expand on stuff. Yeah. You know, um, I know that the the most recent stuff I put up on my um, on my site, the second round of it, um, that was the initial stuff or the the. I guess that would be considered the third draft for me Um, because I had done an initial, um, I wrote it, and then at the time, I think I had the magic pen, so I had to go in and actually correct all the misspellings because I saw one that I didn't, and God, it was horrible. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. My handwriting and the pen just equaled out to some really disturbing 
what the hell is this and is it in English? No, it's not. <laughs> uh, it was a good day. I totally but, um, need to rock prostrate. What? Uh, no, actually, it wasn't that. I think actually it came closer to Klingon at times, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so at that point, I think I was on draft three. Um, but it was um, filling in scenes, making sure that stuff made sense. Um, just reading it through. I mean, it had been a couple of years since I'd actually opened the file. That's how long it had been. And so um, putting everything together uh, and reading it from that much distance, A, I had to get back into the mindset of what was I doing when I put this thing together. And so I came up with with a lot of, of stuff with that. But it was also adding the polish and making it coherent because there were some very choppy jumps where I knew that I had um, literally I'd probably just put down the pen and then I just started a brand new scene when I picked it back up again. And so having to fill those in and and smooth them on their way, um, to to use um, a a section of stuff that is completely different, I had used a chainsaw to to rough it out, and I was filing down the edges to make it fit. (laughs) It's what it felt like. Yeah, a a lot of times um, in my rough draft, and especially on rough trade, if I don't want to write a scene, I'll skip it. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll put a little star bite in my plot to remind myself to write it during my second draft. And um, I'm five chapters from finishing Darkly Loyal, and I've Hot damn. probably, <laughs> um, I have close to 50K I need to add to it of scenes that I've mm-hmm. inserted into my plot that I haven't written yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I... I don't even know, I mean, because I haven't looked at mine since I did it, and I, I just dropped down. I was right under goal. I was at 48-something. And I suppose, I mean, if I sat there and went back through it and expanded on it, um, I'll probably be at 50K plus, and that's just still working within the constraints of the rough trade where I stay with one point of view. Right. Okay. If yeah, all, I my do, new, um, all my new scenes are from different points of view. I will never, and I swear, I promise, I will never do a restrictive POV on Rough Trade again. I promise. (laughs) Ever. Hated that much, huh? I approved a point, and I approved a point to not only you guys, but to also myself. Because what? No. I did it. I managed it. I was very happy with it. I've done it. I've done it. I just hobbled myself. (laughs) You like head hopping too much. Um, I don't head hop. Yeah. I saw gracefully from one point of view to the other. (laughs) Like a fucking boss, I'll have you know. (laughs) You swan. Okay. That's what I said. That's what I fucking said. You said so. You said so. Okay. So it is written. (laughs) And so shall it be. Yes, that's right. March 1st for the sign-ups for the um, the next um, rough trade. March 1st. Well, what I'll do is I'll clean off Rough Trade, and then after I get finished cleaning off all of the, the pictures and the tags and the categories and um, 
I get to the point where I can actually prep it to start putting signups in, I'll announce the sign up. So it'll be it'll either be the first or the second, depending on how much work I have to do and how much I can um, conscript other moderators into doing for me. Just yeah. saying. Yep. Just saying. Yep, yep, yep. And Anyways, so March first. I don't think that. Yeah, I don't think that the the signups will be as long as they were last year, though. You were not happy about how how late that ran. Yeah, and um, I'll cl- I'll probably close signups by no later than the twentieth, um, because okay. uh, it was a little irritating. And mm-hmm. also, um, if by chance you beg your way in after I do the deadline and then your ass doesn't write a single thing, I know. I pay attention. I see that shit you do. Uh-huh. Just FYI. Yeah, it's not cool. My eyebrow's twitching. Uh, a little bit. Just a little bit. Mm. Yeah, well. I will go straight up the pride on so your ass. I promise. I may use them as a as a uh, you know a humanoid test dummy because I'm writing you know Q and and double oh seven and double six. I have a story. Let me tell you a story. I have I have fun. Good. I like stories. Okay, my husband has never had cheesecake in his life. That's bizarre. What's wrong right? with him? Uh, he yeah. didn't think he'd like it. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, I made a peanut butter cheesecake. A big uh-huh. one. It's huge. I put it in a nine-inch spring form, and it's God, at least, I hate you. And, and it's at least three inches thick. Anyways, mm. oh, I had this magnificent thing in my refrigerator, and he tried it, and <laughs> he didn't like it. He does not like cheesecake. Now he doesn't like peanut butter cheesecake. How about for pie? you? This might be no. He doesn't like cheesecake at all. He 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 doesn't like the cheesecake, the cream cheese flavor. Oh, he's a man. Now for you, this might seem like a tragedy, but look at it from my point of view. It's a great thing. You get to have all the cheesecake. I get to have all the cheesecake to myself, and uh-huh. I have been handling this grown ass woman. I've been eating a piece every single fucking day. I got a piece right now in front of me. What? I am so envious. I'm not even. But here's the kicker. I made cinnamon rolls from scratch, thank you, about Uh a month and a half ago with a cream cheese frosting, and he ate the fuck out of them. So I don't even know. Maybe it's texture, because cream cheese, um, uh, cheesecake has a texture. He didn't mention texture. He just didn't like the way it tasted. Hey, husband. He's a t- so, hello. Hello. So apparently himself doesn't like cheesecake. Hers. Wrong with it. Yeah, that's what we said. Yeah, but see, now I don't have to share. Yep. So? I like it. Himself, all, in addition to taking care of me all day long, he actually also installed this huge lovely fan that we've got now and it looks like an aircraft uh, engine. It's huge. And it should make plenty of uh, plenty of breeze. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, no, but anyway. So, lucky you, <laughs> yeah, lucky you, you don't have to share. Yeah. I feel bad. 
Not at all. I don't. <laughs> Let's be honest. I don't feel bad at I, all. Um, I watch Laura in the Kitchen obsessively on YouTube, and um, it's her peanut butter cheesecake, and it's fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I highly recommend it. It's so good. It's got a chocolate ganache top. That's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's got a... It's got a uh, uh, graham cracker and peanut crust. I actually crushed up peanuts and put in it. And a little bit of salt. So the crust is a little bit salty. And then you have that peanut butter cheesecake um, thing going on. And then a chocolate ganache top. Hello. You know, I probably would, I probably would have done a chocolate ganache um, uh, crust, if you will. So that way it would have been more like a Reese's bar. A Reese's mm. peanut butter. I did think about using chocolate graham crackers. I really did. Um, but then mm. I thought, I did mean put in a food processor, yes, because I'm not built for that sort of work. I did not crush <laughs> by hand. I used a food processor. <clears throat> but I was also thinking... <laughs> I would love to do a banana cheesecake with vanilla wafers yeah. at the bottom. Shut up. What's wrong with you? I don't like banana that much. So craziness. She doesn't eat asparagus either. She doesn't well, like yeah, rice. I know that. She only eats spinach and oh. salad or occasionally in a dip. Uh-huh. What's the problem with that? She doesn't eat seafood either. More for you. Think about it this way. If you and I ever eat dinner together and and there's seafood on the table, I'll hand it to you. (laughs) So long as it's not one of the ones you're allergic to. If it's one of the ones you're allergic to, I'll take it away from you and feed it to himself. Oh, no, no, no. Give it to her. No, I like her living. Shut up. He is such an asshole. (laughs) Yes, he is an asshole. Yes, I am. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah, you know know what? I have it on record. I actually have it recorded. Oh, I think he just tried to offer. He just encouraged my murder. Did you guys hear that? He just encouraged my outright murder. <laughs> you do know that she's allergic to some seafood, and you just encouraged her murder on record. Prove it. <laughs> I've got it right here on my fucking radio show. It'll be downloadable in an hour and a half. No. Then that's her own fault. You're not killing my <laughs> best friend. Because. Come on. Fun. No. You see what I have to put up with when I call her house? <laughs> I bought white asparagus, Senna. Um, I honestly don't think it tastes any different than the green. It's just more expensive. Um. Yeah. <laughs> How about if I promise to call 911? No. I can't even watch you choke a little bit? No. Damn oh, it. my God. See this man that she's married to? Or not hear him. To hear him. Do you hear this man she's married to? He's almost as bad as my own. <laughs> Yeah, there, there, here's the thing. He might be trying to serve it to you, but there's no way I'd let you eat it. Okay? <laughs> well, I'm not actually literally a dumbass, so I wouldn't eat it. 
Yes, I know you're not literally a dumbass, but let's let's be real. I still wouldn't let you eat that. Really? Shush. <sighs> he needs to be pimp slapped, front and back. No, he's doing stuff around the house. I want him to keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, just don't take it. Yeah, I won't be taking any food from this man. None, not a. <laughs> but for the record, I am allergic to scallops, and it um it. It currently only gives me a rash, but for those of you who have food allergies know that every time you're exposed to um, a food or an allergen, it that, you're, that it can get worse. Um, my first response to uh, kiwi was a mild itching, and um, I really didn't connect it to the kiwi, so I had it again, and I got purple hives. Oh, I, yeah, I didn't do that. Vibrant purple hives all over my face and neck. It was insane. Um, so, you know, the next time I'm exposed to kiwi, it could be anaphylactic shock. Yeah, I don't have that one. All I get is... You don't know how your body's going to respond to an allergen until you're exposed to it again. Um, yeah, no, I, I got... Um, basically, my, my throat itched and tingled and started feeling constricted. And I, the the bad thing was, is it took years for me to get to that point because I was eating kiwi for um, five years or more. And then it showed up one day and, and mom and I both uh, had the same allergy reaction show up within, within months of each other. And we both avoid kiwi like the plague now. Now, when you I know. had, um, I have never liked kiwi all that much as a child. I, I, I didn't like the texture. I didn't like the way it looked. Um, and so I just avoided it. And then when I got older, I was kind of being an adult, you know, and being mature about it. And I had it, and it wasn't my favorite. And I had that, like, I, I had that itching, and I really didn't connect it to the kiwi until I had kiwi by itself. And I had the full-blown, uh-huh. I ate a whole kiwi by myself, and I had the full-blown hives. And the um yeah the the purple splotches so <clears throat> yeah I'm not a I I the problem I have is I actually like kiwi and I miss <laughs> the flavor of it oh, sorry that sucks yeah if I was allergic oh, yeah. strawberries I would cry my heart out I love strawberries. I eat them pretty much year-round. I don't care how expensive they get. Um, <laughs> it's like my one thing. Um, no, I, just I was allergic to that. strawberries as a kid. Apparently, oh. from what I remember mom saying, as a small child, I was allergic to strawberries. She never used to let me eat them. And then um, I, I don't know what happened. Um, somewhere as a, a young adult, you know, uh, Well, older child, young um, teenage, young teenager, whatever. She she let me eat them, and I I was fine. I was eating them. Now um, my niece had a milk allergy at birth, which by the time she was five years old was gone. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm not allergic to strawberries, raspberries, any of the berries, except kiwi, which isn't technically I don't think a berry. I think my but, my biggest fear is that my seafood allergy is going to spread. Because right oh, now God, it's just scallops. So I avoid scallops. I I don't. 
go near clams or oysters just in case. Um, but my, 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 oh, I would be so upset if I suddenly became allergic to lobster <clears throat> or shrimp. Oh, I love shrimp. That would oh, suck. I fucking love shrimp. And, um, so I don't, I make every effort to avoid, even though it's just a rash right now, not just because I don't want my allergy to get worse, but because I don't want my allergy to spread. <laughs> and oh, that yeah, might that not be suck. scientific, but I'm really worried about my my ability to eat shrimp. I would be so upset <laughs> if I lost oh. it. Oh, and crab and yeah. salmon. Oh, and cod. I love cod. Oh, my gosh. I love mahi-mahi. I love calamari. Oh, and if I had to give up all seafood, I, I would be heartbroken. <laughs> She has most of the same um, seafood love that you've got up to and including the calamari. I fucking love it. I can uh, eat my muscles. weight in calamari. I can we I can eat his weight in calamari. He's a he's a big tall guy. I can yeah. We, orange juice there. Oh. Thank you. Suck <laughs> <Stuck up. laughs> <laughs> Calamari, I fucking love it. I love calamari. I think some of the best calamari I've ever had, I got it at this restaurant called Connor's, and they serve, um, they don't serve the rings, they serve the fingers. They serve the, uh, oh, God, it's fucking amazing. Oh, I love, I love food. I love food, and I especially love love food. I love food, too, but that's just gross. That's more for me. Yeah, I'm not mad at you. No, but no, I really, I really on fucking the other love. Hand, um, uh, what? On the other hand, you come between me and and that roast beef, and I'll stab you with my my you know <laughs> nice little serrated knife. I can't. I do going think back those to the potatoes would go really, really super well with a French dip sandwich. Uh huh. I think so. Yeah, too. I'm just. I'm Let's just go saying. back to the topic because <laughs> you, you put it up. We wandered again. <laughs> It doesn't really. I mean, you know, I've I've talked about the fucking topic. And anybody, you know, I, now I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you. I don't know how many shows I'm in. Um, I don't know how many shows I've got. But at this point, if you expect me to be on topic for two whole hours, it's like you don't even. We'll know wander me. back to it eventually. <laughs> it's like don't even fucking know me. I'm so hurt. <laughs> Oh, if you're on my Facebook, I had um, uh, posted on Facebook about these fondant potatoes, and basically it's um, potatoes that are cooked in a broth. First, they're pan seared, then you put butter Uh in, oh, and then you put some chicken broth in it, and you put it in the oven. Uh huh. You you just go to Facebook and look it up. Oh my goodness, it's fabulous. (laughs) It looks, it looks absolutely. Absolutely yeah. fabulous. Just go to YouTube and you can find it too, because I did put it on my live. Yeah, there's a link showing up on my channel, um, and it looks really <laughs> super good. And I'll definitely be trying it. I'm probably gonna try it with the veal scallopini because I do want to go get some veal um, tomorrow. Would you do it with veal stock? Mm, I don't know. I think I do want to use a beef stock though, um, uh, because okay. I'm gonna do the veal. The veal scallopini on the side, <coughs> and um, I'm probably gonna roast some asparagus and some Brussels sprouts because I love that shit. <laughs> you can have it. <coughs> um, 
But yeah, you know, so yeah. Oh, let me uh-huh. tell you a story about my husband and food. I like green beans. My husband likes I do too. My husband likes French cut green beans. Those are iffy because mainly because there's not enough there for a texture and I really would rather have green beans. Yeah, so here's the thing. I normally cook green beans, I steam them. Okay. And he got where he wouldn't eat them. And he, I asked him why. He said, because he likes the French cut. There is literally no difference between, beyond texture. They don't even, they t- so, the last time I got, so the last time I got green beans, I had half a pound of green beans. Beautiful, just a beautiful, vibrant green, organic. I, I got them at the farmer's market. And I took a half hour out of my life to cut those green beans because I don't have a bean splitter. But I did look up on Amazon and I find another one before I buy some more fucking green beans. And so, I make them. And it's time for dinner. And I say, you need to come fix your plate because I'm not fixing a man a plate. That's just, I don't go that way. I'm not that, I'm not that <laughs> woman. Um, and, um, there's <laughs> looks at the green beans. He's, and, um, he said, how'd you get fresh French cut green beans. Because usually I have to buy them frozen, right? Because I'm not uh-huh. buying vegetables in a can um, if I can avoid right. it. And um, I said, I cut them myself. And he went, oh, you just have to go to all that trouble. I'd have killed them. I'd have sliced them with, oh, just, Julian fries. Just eat the fucking oh. green beans. <laughs> and he did. Oh. He did just Dude. eat the fucking beans. <laughs> I cut those things with a fucking paring knife. I'm talking like there had to be 50 of those beans. Uh huh. (sighs) (laughs) You are welcome. Uh Anyways. Anyways. Oh, hey, apparently there's a Gordon Ramsay version of those too. And Gordon used something, he used um, uh, red potatoes on his instead of the russets. So, he did. Yeah, I, um, yeah. I watched Gordon Ramsay's version too. He didn't fuck around make the shape either. He's like slice. Nope. <laughs> yep. I was just thinking Yukon Gold would be good there too. I agree. I do think the Yukon Gold will be really, really awesome. I'll be trying that. Uh-huh. So I'll let you know how it goes because I think that oh, yeah. potatoes might fall apart, obviously, and they they wouldn't hold yeah. up for that. But um, I think a Yukon Gold will be really good. Um, Yukon Gold, anyway. the, the red potatoes and, and russets are, are the three that I would do for that. But I wouldn't do any of those butter <laughs> potatoes. you got to be careful with those ones no. that have the butter option on them because those things are so delicate uh-huh. that they'll, they'll fall to pieces in that. Yep. Oh, yeah. Anyways. <clears throat> yeah, it was almost sparta in my kitchen. I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, um, just, oh, so fucking annoying. I made a, um, sausage, egg, obviously, it's, um, I made a sausage, potato, and spinach frittata for dinner, and it was fucking amazing. It was so good. Hubby had, hubby had breakfast for dinner, basically, and given that my appetite has basically basically been off. Mhm. Yeah, but given my ba- my appetite has been off, I basically had some of the uh, the the um, 
hash browns that he made. And that was about it for the moment, and that's all I really wanted. Yeah. Talking that about difficult second drafts, um, <laughs> I, I, my Lantean Legacy um, series is stalled. I have... <sighs> you whore. <laughs> I have second I'm drafts sorry. for what I want to be book two and book three. They're they're written. Oh Jesus! But then there was some time in the beta process. One of them, Chris or Lady Holder, and I'm not sure which one Might said me. Pro- I'll take what the blame. Happened, what happened right here? And that spawned yeah, an that idea too that never happened. And then I stalled out on the rewrites for book three. My original book too, which I which you know what? Fuck it. It's gonna it's gonna be my book too. You're just gonna have to. Yes, at what I'll happened between and book one and book two, book two, book, book two. That's um, fine. I thought we agreed on this like last year. Book two is the central plot line of book two is Daniel Jackson stuck on Earth. Yeah. And having to put up with a bunch of bullshit when, in fact, if you read Lancelot, you, you know that he went to Atlantis in book one at during the rewrite. So I have to, because uh-huh. I've written books one, two, three, and most of four before I ever put them in beta. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and then so, we kind of threw that, uh, we gave you a complete shitstorm because we didn't catch you adding Daniel. And 400 Daniel... comments later, <laughs> Daniel ended up going to Atlantis. And hooking up with Evan yep. Lorne. Does that happen yet? Yep. No. 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 Daniel went, went with Vala. Yeah, that's a different story where I have Daniel hooking up with Evan Lorne. That happens in a different yeah. story. Don't get Can't don't get attached really. to that idea. It's a different story. Anyway, <clears throat> which I think is really hot. By the way. Uh huh. Like um, but so I have this huge fucking rough draft um, of book two and book three and um, I have a plot for book seven that we cannot discuss. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. No, no, no. Wait a second. It's book five and six that I got hiccuped on somewhere and I don't think I remember what book seven is, but we won't discuss that unless you actually call me after this show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Vala is with Cameron in Sentinels of Atlantis. Um, and uh, Vala is with Daniel Jackson in Lantean Legacy. Because um, I shipped that. I totally shipped the fuck out of that. Which reminds me of that meme where it shows Bilbo and Thorne hugging. And um, uh-huh. it says, get on this ship, we're going to Erebor. <laughs> <laughs> if it only ended so badly. <laughs> yes. Ludicrous speed, but you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, I uh, sometimes, sometimes you get bogged down in your second draft, and you, um, I think for me, uh, the first book got so much positive attention that I really, I desperately didn't want to disappoint with book two. And when the questions came up during beta, I felt like I probably had, or I probably would disappoint. If I put this book two out with so many unanswered questions between the events of book one and the events of book two. 
And we tried um, to hash it out, and we kind of we kind of got ourselves. We kept talking ourselves into book five and six. Right, and I, you know, I just, I don't think the the, the book two that I plotted after I, you know, after that first beta is ever going to happen, and it's kind of stymied me. And so sometimes in your second draft, you do, um, you can basically plot or write yourself into a hole, and then you just it, digging yourself out of it seems um, impossible and weird. And uh, just, you know. I think part of the other, um, I think part of the other things that, <laughs> uh, that gift kind of is about appropriate. <laughs> That's how my second book makes me feel, Oh, God, yeah. Well, Swimming somewhere, we've got discussions, and I don't even know if they're on on our shared drive or not. But you know, there's um, there's stuff that we we've talked about um, that hopefully will make when you eventually get to the point where you you actually write books or, or rewrite books three, four, and five um, that will make them a lot easier. Uh, book two. It's going to be. It's going to be one where I, I can't wait for it to actually to show up in my email. I I'm looking <laughs> forward to that because I rem, I mean I've got the original parts of of this. You know I'm I'm not going to lie and say that I don't. Um, <laughs> but I know that those are not going to have any real relation to what's going to be the reality on the ground anymore. No, because there's so many things that has to change. Um, um, yes. I have questions about to myself. Do I insert Jonas into the Daniel role? Um, if I well, do, how does he... that impact his goals? His, um, you know, what does he want? Um, and then, you know, also I have to confess that when I originally wrote Lantian Legacy, um, should I tell them? Are, are we talking about that that line, throwaway line that John says to Vala? No, let's not go okay, there. Let's skip that. Okay. I mean we the line where Rod finds sake. out that John has one living brother and one that died. Oh yeah, I reread that recently. I just about choked myself really <laughs> okay. hard when I was trying to figure out when where I everything wrote was going. Legacy. I had oh, no you didn't intention. actually put the death in there. No, it's it's um it's. No, there's no. The thing is, is when I wrote Lantian Legacy, when I wrote book two, um, John tells Rodney <laughs> at one at one point that his mother and what would have been his youngest brother died in a car accident when she was pregnant, and that would have been Matt. Um, uh-huh. And um, I I I don't know why, but then after. Um, the thing is, is the time that you know Matt wasn't the character that he is, and he wasn't as popular with my yeah. readers, so I didn't think it'd be a big deal. But now I I know that I would get hate mail if I wrote that, if if that actually got put on my website, I would get hate mail. Like, what the fuck? What were you thinking? I would actually get like vicious hate mail from the people who like me, and not oh, just the it would have been bad. <laughs> so, oh, so it would have been bad. That, won't happen now. I wouldn't do that. Um, I'm very careful with the character of Matt Shepard, and I always will be um, for reasons. 
So um, it's just that um, at the time, I hadn't intended on including that character because there's lots of characters already moving around. Some, yeah, you backfilled him in there. He is mentioned as being alive. So right. you know, there could potentially be a third brother who who, um, who died. But, you know, we've got um, book five, six, and seven. There's stuff related to that, too. But Yeah, you know, so, but what... What I intended was always, always, Lantian Legacy is a mirror verse of what might have been. Oh, yeah. Just, it's not the Funhouse mirror verse. Right. It's just, but it is a mirror verse. And so, characters uh-huh. that you see in what might have been, you will see in one form or another in Lantian Legacy. Can I say something about Sean? Yeah. From what I remember, you said that you wanted Sean to be original expedition. Yeah, he's already on Atlantis. He's just in the background. Yeah, we don't. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. And Sean's one of the people who Atlantis. comes through. And Declan. Yeah, one of the people through. who. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they're all there. They're all there. They're they're uh-huh. moving around the background, and there's you know there's you know um, Ian came out with the second wave. Mm-hmm. Uh so, you know, they're all there. They're just different. There's just, there's, um, my whole point was to mirror what what might have been. Um, mm-hmm. So this is like uh, what could have been <laughs> if Rodney had yes. gone to Atlantis, if they had they found had to deal with him. So what that mm-hmm. does mean for those of you who have read what might have been, yes, Sebastian Shepard is on Earth. Oh, yeah. Five, four, five, and six. Leave alone. Leave alone. <laughs> leave alone. Leave alone. Leave alone. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get into that. Let's not go there because it's, uh, it's huge, actually. I have a whole book uh-huh. um, plotted and dedicated to Sebastian um, and his uh, eventual um, migration to to Atlantis. Um, because, of course, that will happen, <laughs> but it will be uh, different. <laughs> Yeah. It'll be very different, and he yeah. won't be the same. Obviously, he won't be the same character no. that you guys met in what might have been, because his circumstances will be vastly different. And um, I've taken some um, some elements from other shows that I like to work that angle, and it's um, it's great. It's a lot of fun, uh, but again, it's also you know. You do things and you think, oh, God, they're going to cuss me out. And then you <laughs> do I want to do that? Like when I first wrote In the Blood, it was a, um, it was an anonymous fic on, it was an, mm-hmm. it was an SJ, uh, it was an SGA Secret Santa gift. I pitch hitted, um, and, and wrote this for somebody. And I, for a long time, I was thinking I would never put it on my site, that it would just be on that, SGA Santa anonymously and I would never actually lay claim to it um, so to speak because uh, it was so different than than what I had written and um, you know it was difficult it's, it's a very harsh very unapologetic story yeah um, there is absolutely no there's nothing to soften that thing. 
No, it, it is terrible. I mean, um, yeah. I think it's actually great writing, but um, it's oh, it's uh, fabulous writing. It's it's really but, uh, it's a blunt instrument in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. It's um, you you get to it and you um, you read through it. It's uh, you are in inside somebody's head as they're watching basically the love of their life tortured to death day in, day out, and there's not a goddamn thing he can do but what he did. And what he did... Um, Qualifies as a mass murder. I honestly don't think it went far enough, but, you know, I sympathize far more with him than I did with them. Right, but, you know, um, and that's just like... Um, I liked, I like, I really enjoy making McKay make a big, hard decision because he's the same thing in situations of war, and I, I like it. I think uh-huh. it, um, it gives his character a lot of depth and impact, and I believe that that's one thing in the series they really dropped the ball with in Trinity, instead of, um making Rodney just basically a whipping post for John and Elizabeth that they didn't, um, they could have gone in a really good direction with McKay's character after he destroyed that solar system. And they uh-huh. didn't, um, they used it as an, uh, as a chance to abuse his character. And so, and I think because they did that, there was no growth. Um, for McKay on that issue. He was too busy defending himself and being hurt personally by a professional decision where he made professional choices that impacted him terribly personally with John and Elizabeth's completely unprofessional behavior um, where they both took his decision very personally instead of taking it just as a as this was a job, it was work, this is what, this is what we were doing. Um, uh-huh. And um, when that seemed to be what Rannick was, was at the at the very end of it, that was how he was with it. This is, you know, as, as horrible as it was, you know. Um, Science is 90% failure. I mean, and... Yeah. Rodney wasn't given an opportunity to grow from that, to grow from this failure experience. And I think that always, personally, that I learn more from my from my failures than I, than I do my successes. Um, so it was that just that for a lot of reasons that episode pisses me off. So um, and that's just um, that's well, a, it from a creative point of view. That, that episode, yeah. That particular episode pisses me off because it's the fact that Elizabeth uses him as her whipping boy for, yes, Rodney was completely starry-eyed and, oh, my God, unlimited power, blah, 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 whatever it was um, in the end. But she went with it, and she authorized it. And in the grand scheme of things, the buck stopped with her. Okay. Yes, John had a reason to be uh, upset because by 
Rodney saying, trust me, and them staying there and Rodney not leaving when everything started going to shit, it skated a little too close to, you know, let's not have some some suicide by science, okay? I'm not going to die for you. Not like this, okay? But Elizabeth was the one who said, yes, let's do it. Yeah. And... The fact that ancient technology that they barely understood that had been sitting by itself for a minimum of 10,000 years didn't work, and they blame it on the guy who said, hey, look, let's, let's you know, give it a whirl. You know, maybe I can get it to work. It made no fucking sense to me. Yeah. Um I just, uh, she pisses me off. Yeah, there's a question <laughs> in the chat room. Um, the story I'm talking about where Rodney commits basically what I would consider a mass murder is called In the Blood, and it is on my site. Um, we were also talking about Lantean Legacy, um, book two and three, which are not available on my site. But no. In the Blood is right here. I'm going to give you a link. Um, <clears throat> so uh, In the Blood is something I wrote for SGA uh I think I wrote it for it. I don't remember. Yeah, I wrote it for Secret Santa. Um, and uh, then I put it on my site um, after Secret Santa expired. So, um, <laughs> anyways. Um, you know, uh, there's... There's another one that um, shows a very hard, very no-nonsense version of both gentlemen. Uh, And by gentlemen, I mean um, John and Rodney. It's Invisible Repercussions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You and I are on the same page on that one. That's my I hate I I hate you thick. <laughs> I was so mad. Oh god. I had um I had watched a documentary called The Invisible War and I was oh, yeah. so angry by the time I finished it that uh-huh. um I wrote this um uh you wrote a very dark I, honestly I I I love it. <laughs> my layout changed about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I think. Um, I outgrew my template, and it started giving me lots of lots of errors in my pages because some of my pages have like over five hundred comments. It was breaking the template, so um, <laughs> yeah, it's been a couple of weeks, um, and maybe a little bit longer. Might have been December. I don't know. It's been a while. Uh huh. But yeah, I was just really mad after I watched Invisible War and um uh-huh. um I had to uh Yeah, it's uh I had to vent. A I little. think it's a fantastic one. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. I I honestly I had nothing I find nothing wrong with it, but then again, I also have a very black and white view of the of that particular um set of issues. So yeah. Yeah, that's a that's actually a first draft. <laughs> that is. I wrote it, did a spell check, 
put it up. I was just so mad. I was just uh-huh. oh, I was just so mad. Um Uh-huh. It's just what it is. It's just what it is. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm rereading it just because I think it's fabulous. But then again, you know, there's there's some days um, I am so far to the left I make every liberal look like a weirdo, and then there's some days I'm so right I make a tell of the hun look like a liberal. And this one, Attila the Hun is a liberal. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with John. I think that was too easy on him. You know, I just, yeah, sometimes uh, fiction um, is uh, very much a venting process. You just, you Uh exercise your demons, and sometimes you keep your demons, and... (laughs) And you put them in the paper and what is it? There was a, and no, I don't think I, I, it would take me some looking to find it, but there was a um, uh, Teen Wolf one that I read recently where Styles was um, a blood red, uh, basically a blood red uh, character out of mythology. And he got um, possessed by a demon. And the demon thought that he'd won because he now was in this kid's head. This kid is integral to a werewolf pack, but was supposedly human. And the problem is, is he's in Styles' head. And when you're in somebody's head, you're on their ground. And Styles being this thing that, that thrives on blood and torture and a wee bit of pain or not, maybe more, now had this thing to play with. And he was sitting there and basically tormenting this demon. And all <laughs> I could think of is, is some days that's a really good definition of what I do to some ideas. Because you're sitting there and you're ripping the legs off them and, you know, flinging stuff around and in general making an absolute bloody mess. Yeah. And if it works, it works. If not, it's your head. You can put it back together again and try all over. So. And my, you know. Chat is actually kind of quiet tonight. It's weird. Um, I wonder if it got locked up, actually. Um, but, I don't uh, know. I think we've exhausted the second draft topic. <laughs> okay. Let's go on to other things. Um, do we, how, how much do we want? Because, you know, it's the 23rd of January. It's roughly what? Um, 20, 21 days? No, wait a second. Twenty, twenty-four days <laughs> until um, Evil Author Day. Oh, yeah, Evil Author Day. Yeah, I've got yeah. a big, big story to share on Evil Author Day. 
<laughs> yes, she does. It's fabulous. <laughs> I've also got, I've actually got two that I'm going to share that I know for certain I'm going oh. to share. And um, uh, I don't think I've seen the second one then. Oh, yes, you have. I put the, um, oh. the on the super secret group. Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah, I've seen that. That's just one. Um, and then let's see. I've got one, two, three, four, five. I've got six bits, and one of which is actually going to be a full and complete one if I can manage it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's uh it's I going also to be have five teases and one full one. I have one called The Courting of Hermione Granger. Um, I have another one called Her Secret. That's the one I was talking about. Yeah. Um, um, which you read chapter one of in the in the thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I have one called The Bartered Bride, and it's oh. uh, Hobbit. Um, and uh, I, I second. Wait a second. I've seen that one, and it was under a different name because you. The Bartered Queen. Yes. Yeah, the bartered queen, and it's a Hobbit fic. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And um, let's see. Uh... Yeah, mine are. <laughs> mine is is the working title for one is Bilbo takes charge. <laughs> uh... <laughs> and you know exactly what that one's from. Um... <laughs> And then, uh, what's this one? Um, I've got a Young Sentinels and Guides one. I've got a, I didn't get into Unlikely and Unwilling, although that one may, I don't know. I've still got time between now and then. But I've got one from the Being Different universe. And then I've got the Lion Rampart. And then I've got the uh, Q6 and 7. So that's my... That's my group. Oh, and and the second part of um, the gardening universe one that I was writing in that I cleared with you that that you said it was okay. So. I also have um, a uh, a Harry Potter fic called The Child of Magic. Um, I may or may not have shared little excerpts with on Facebook, just a little bit here and there, oh, not not a have. whole bunch. Um, it's the one where um, where Severus and Remus. And Sirius are all up in the afterlife watching shit go down. Oh, yes. And they yes, all volunteer yes. to kill Dumbledore. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, that you one. You put barely um, anything of that up. Barely anything. So that will be one of my evil uh-huh. author days. And uh, I had one more. And um, that's called The um, the Child of Magic. And uh Um, I think we made everybody happy. <laughs> let's see. And let's, I was going to, um, I actually have um, a fic where uh, during um, Harry's second year, um, the diary talks Jenny into kidnapping Harry and um, going down into the chamber with him. Oh, yeah, and I heard that one. Okay, I know that. <laughs> Look at her bragging. Um, anyway, it's called loyalty, 
And what happens is is that when he gets them free and destroys the diary and kills the snake, while he's unconscious in the infirmary recovering, she tells everybody that he kidnapped her. And that he really is the heir of Slytherin, and it's his fault, and he did all this, and he did all that. And Gryffindor insists on him being resorted. And um, the fallout is spectacular. It's um, it's an earthquake. It's a and lovely little called, earthquake. Uh, that's called loyalty. And um, in the <laughs> end, um, I got... Uh, Neville, Luna, and Hermione all resorted with um, Harry. <laughs> it's going to be great. Because <laughs> there's uh-huh. one part where Neville and Hermione have joined Harry at the little table, and Luna comes up and she says, what are you guys doing? And Neville says, we're being resorted because Gryffindor's full of assholes. Because reasons. And, because reasons. And... Uh, Luna sits down with him, right? So Dumbledore asks her why she's sitting there. And she stands up and she says, because Ravenclaw's full of assholes and I know an opportunity when I see one. Uh-huh. I don't blame her. <laughs> it's great. I'm so excited. But that was called loyalty. And I'm going I'm to do that for e, um, EAD as well. Um, yeah. So, and um, Luna, uh Yeah. I gave Luna a more interesting backstory in that um, because she's actually very close in age to um, Harry. To the main group. I had her come in as a second year. She got sorted as a second year during um, their second year because she spent a year at home learning how to handle her, her gift of sight which is why she was so crazy in, in canon. So she's coming into Hogwarts as a second year and got a lot of abuse um, from Ravenclaw, far more than she did in canon because of it, because I think she's crazy still. But because they're it's assholes. Not, because they're assholes. And um, it's um, it's really, I'm really amused with myself. And so that one's called Loyalty. And then I have one, and I'm, I'm really, uh, I don't know. Um, I have this story, and I'm not sure, I'm not even sure if you've seen it. Um, uh, and it's called The Apprentices, and yes. um, you've seen it, yeah. Um, yeah, I saw, I saw. I don't know about the first, probably third of it. <laughs> and it's going to be a triad fic, um, but it starts out with just Harry and Hermione. Um, what happens is, yeah, is that I, it's um, barely a third then. When um. <laughs> When uh, they drive Dumbledore out of Hogwarts, he goes abroad to figure out what he can about Parcelmouth. And at the end he of the year... He actually is useful in this story. He's, yeah, he is He's actually useful. fucking useful. <laughs> he sends Harry to Japan to um, Hiro Ito to learn uh-huh. um, to apprentice with him. And when he comes back to Britain... When 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 Harry comes back to Britain, his um his mentor comes with him, and takes over uh-huh. um as his guardian, and um they they figure out that Sirius is innocent before before the school year even starts, and so it's uh-huh. just it's it's a lot. I guess it's a little different than what I normally write, and it um, is. 
Um, so I'm, I'm going to do a couple excerpts from that probably for EID as well. And it's called The Apprentices. And um, when uh, when Harry and Hermione get get back to uh, Hogwarts, they have a secret they've told no one else. But they're going to have to tell that secret to somebody at Hogwarts because when they went to the Book of Souls, they just didn't have a soulmate bond. They have a soulmate triad, and so they have to that one seek I didn't out. See. You didn't well, I haven't. Them. It's plotted, but I haven't written it. Um, okay. Well, I I can tell you right now. Um, I can even tell you how many pages I'm at. I've got, cause I got because I ignored the word number. I'm mad now, right? Did you hear this? That's not what I'm. I saw. I'm, I'm horrific. I'll I'll be I'll be evil and just say I got blocked, guys. But I already know that this thing. If it's if it's as long as I think it's going to be, it's probably I probably got a third to a quarter here. How much you got? You know, 151 pages. Yeah, that's about a quarter. <laughs> that's about okay. a quarter. Yeah, because because where you left off is um, I had actually gone back and and reworked some scenes, so you have not seen. But um, they have a triad bond, yeah. and of course, their um their third is Draco, and um, because I was yeah, like, the, the, oh, the last... I need to do something different here, and so um, I, I I went back during it's not really officially my second draft, but I re- I reworked some scenes because I wanted to give um uh. You know, Harry's really there's a, there's a, I, I wanted to give him a a push, you know. Um, something so to be spicy with? Right, you know, something to kind of get him off his stride. And having Draco there's, be their third is definitely going to put Harry off his stride. So Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a thing in here where Neville is saying that ring is like the biggest no trespassing sign ever. Yeah. And that's basically the last line that I've got. So, right. you know, take it as you will. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I um I worked it a little bit because I do want to include that triad in them having to uh-huh. um work their way through at um through that and and Draco coming to terms with the fact that he's got these two Gryffindors. <laughs> God, he's gonna get dragged. He's gonna get yeah, dragged into daring do no matter what he does. Yeah, he's like, oh the, no, <laughs> that's not how any of that's going to work. <laughs> Because uh-huh. well, the thing is, is I I wanted to do it, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it with the apprentices or if I, or if I wanted to do it in the unsequel plot. Um, because wouldn't that be amazing? I, on, I honestly and dearly adore any time you you add Draco in. The reason <laughs> why is because you ship Harry Draco. Well, there's that one too. I'm not going to lie about that, but. The way you handle the three of them, Harry and Draco spark off each other in ways that they're flip sides of of each other's coins. But when you add Hermione in there, there is so much devotion that they aim at her, okay, that it's it's a great deal of fun. And they snark and they giggle and they... um, as Arlie says, do I have to be the voice of reason all the time? <laughs> As a matter of fact, you probably do. <clears throat> yes, yes. The testosterone I think one of my favorite the... lines in Darkly Lowell is, is, did you even have a plan? Because <laughs> she's like, yes. oh, fuck, you're supposed to be. 
thinking even been why I'm not around. <laughs> and he's all like, let's just sacrifice everybody go back in time. <laughs> and Harry's like, okay, score. <laughs> you know. I'll be right back with the body. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, and, and, you know, it's, those two will egg each other into bigger and bigger and bigger levels of insanity. And Hermione is sitting there either pinching her nose, trying to stave off the migraine, or she's, you know, pulling both of their hair to say, no, enough, you know. Occasionally she's just going, go boys, go boys. (laughs) You know. I also have a story and I don't know what to do with it and um, I'm not even really sure <coughs> what it is. Sometimes you get an idea and it kind of sticks in your head and it sticks in your head and I had this idea and it stuck so much in my head that I had to write it. I had to get it out of my I've head. Seen, I wonder. No, uh-huh. it was driving me crazy and it's called Cursed and it's a story about um, a Harry Potter that was raised by his parents and um James and Lily saw through Dumbledore from the very beginning, and um, Harry's got uh, uh, brothers and sisters, and um, uh-huh. he, uh, he's he's kind of like their favorite in a terrible way. Um, but he's you know he's got a good life. He survived the war. His whole family survived the war. Everything is going good, but he can't keep a woman. <laughs> They always dump him, and he can't figure out why. And oh, um, I have seen that one. You have? Uh-huh. Yeah. And so he's dating Hermione, <laughs> and she inexplicably dumps him, and he and he can't figure it out, and he's really upset, and he goes home. And so Lily just marches her ass right over there to find out why this girl <laughs> dumped her baby. <laughs> and come uh-huh. find out, Jenny Weasley has been cursing um, all of his girlfriends to dump him and to leave him because she has a fake uh-huh. contract um, that Dumbledore yeah. created. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's just, uh, so I had that idea, and it's just stuck there, and I don't know what to do with it. And I'm not even sure I want to write any more about it, so I, I probably won't put it up on EAD for that very reason alone. But sometimes ideas just stick in your head, and you have to get them out. Like I have this yeah, one. I don't remember scene. when I saw that one. It's been a while. I have this one uh-huh. scene written where Harry confesses to the to the Dursleys how much money he has. So Vernon takes I've him to the it. bank. So Vernon takes him to the bank. Well, he gets mad, and you know, and says oh. he has more money than they'll ever have, and he just has a big fit, right? Well, so Vernon takes uh-huh. him to the bank to get this money, right? And Oh God! This this scene. <laughs> Harry, I don't think I know what this is. Wasn't going to um, help him steal the money, so Vernon steps up into the vault and promptly do- drops dead. Oh God! You did write it because <laughs> he wasn't on the authorized visitors list, right? And Harry uh-huh. looks at the body and says, "That's the single most satisfying moment of my entire life." <laughs> and Grip, who is standing beside him, says, "Eh." You're young. <laughs> and that's what I got. Oh, God, that's great. And I wrote that scene, and um, that's, yeah, that's just what I wrote. And it has, it has it has no purpose whatsoever in any story ever. It, it just was. It in anything. Oh, it's great. I, it 
it was just stuck in my head for the longest time. And um, oh God! When That's when so Harry funny. tells Hermione what happened, she looks really shocked, and he's trying to say, "I didn't know it would do that." And she said, "Of course you didn't. If you'd known, you'd have told them years ago." <laughs> Oh, that's fabulous. Are you fucking serious? But yeah, so sometimes, you know, sometimes Uh scenes will just stick in your head and ideas and and, and you get get them out and you're fine. But until you get them out, they just won't leave you alone. They're just all in your business. (laughs) Uh Oh, God, that's fabulous. Oh, let's see. Yeah, I do have this one I idea, have. and I've 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 not written it, but I have this idea that um, James is the one that sacrifices himself for Harry, and um, Lily isn't at home. And six months afterwards, um, Dumbledore is trying to maneuver. And basically take Harry from her. So to protect herself, she makes Sirius marry her. <laughs> I bet he's looking at her with the um. Uh, well, well, okay, you, you know the <laughs> you know the you know the that the look people get when you hand them a you know something that is live and and poisonous and their hands kind of go up and they kind of get it away get it away (laughs) no i'm not supposed to do that god (laughs) (laughs) so i had this idea that like six months into their marriage which is still not consummated um uh you know lily's kind of fed up with being a wife and name only and um she understands the respect that Sirius is offering her, um, but also she misses, she you know she's she's missing sex, and also she wants another baby, <laughs> so she's got to put her foot down. <laughs> so okay, okay, you know James is gone, and um, we're both really really sorry, and we you know we both love him and we both miss him, but I want another baby, so you're gonna have to. <laughs> You're going to have to man up. <laughs> just, 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 I don't know. Uh. Just, um, what's really interesting, though, is that in um, the Courting Hermione um, Granger story, um, Harry is raised by Sirius, um, and uh, Isabel, Isabel, from my other stories, The, the Unspeakable, she is Sirius's wife, and um, uh, Harry picked her out. <laughs> Just picked her out, and um, and uh, so there's all these little kids that they had together, and um, Harry's the oldest of like six, and there are all these little kids running around that um that that Sirius has had with Isabel and um it's just it's a it's a great it's it, it's a it's a fun ride. I, I really enjoy it. And the best part is is that in the first chapter I send Ron to Azkaban. <laughs> I honestly I thought that was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> it's great. <sighs> and I also made a statement. <laughs> 
there was a point. He just didn't go for asking for no reason at all. There was a point. Oh, no, he went for a legit reason. Um, but I wanted to write uh, a, a story about um, uh, how do I put that? Um, well, I I I don't want to spoil it. Um, I just I, I wanted to write a story about Hermione. Um, there's as as I understand it from from this, Hermione picked a path, and no matter how hard or how many times people tried to talk her out of the path, she picked that path and she is sticking with that path because what's at the end of it is something that she feels is her pure and total right to have. Yeah, that. And also, she's smart, and she's famous in her uh-huh. own right. That has nothing to do with Harry. Um, she yep. um, she didn't even... She, she spent like a month at Hogwarts and then went abroad to be educated. So they didn't grow up together. Um, she uh, she just that, just... that isn't what happened. And... Um, you know, he sorted into Ravenclaw. Uh, she sorted into Gryffindor, so they didn't even cross paths much while they were in while she was briefly at Hogwarts. So she comes back from abroad, um, famous in her own right for her intellect, and um, her presence in Britain kind of ripples out, and both good and bad. And uh, so. Uh, I just wanted um, her to own herself and to own her career and to own her success and for her not to be an extension of a man in any single way. And so that when the relationship starts to develop, he they're kind of on an even footing. And there's not this, um, I don't know, I just, I just wanted to explore that with, with her being just a grown-ass woman. know just yeah just a grown ass woman and this is this this is me and this is how I am and you can take it or leave it motherfucker <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> but she's much more polite than me you know? yes by the way Arlie's got a uh Arliana's got a very uh legit point in here because you know for all the fact that uh Bellatrix was that shit and um uh God, I just can't remember uh, Draco's mom's name. Um, well, frankly, none of the none of the blacks, huh? Narcissa. Narcissa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was more than slightly unhinged, you know. And Sirius wasn't too well wrapped either. But they were all beautiful people. They really are. The, the humans themselves are really pretty people. They picked good actors for this. But dear God in heaven, I really have to wonder how. I mean, uh, I, I, we got one marauder who, who, when married to somebody who's actually willing to marry a marauder, came <laughs> up with Harry. You know, the half sibling of, you know, another marauder and you know the the reasonably sane person. I mean, uh, you know, is, is this the kid who's going to be sitting there and doing uh, you know Warsawski fence or whatever it is in his cradle? You know. <laughs> I have problems with Andromeda Tonks. Um, Out of all the people, 
that came out of the war. Uh Why did she let a member of her family go to prison without a trial? Um, this, there's a lot of different answers to that that I've read. You know, the, the, um, the, which was the writer's right. She does nothing. She's not a death eater. She's not a part of the order of the Phoenix. Um, her husband is muggle born. Uh, you know, there's always, there's always one person who's got all the, the empathy and, uh, and all of, a pile of wet pepper mache. I have a problem with her. Yeah. Which I, I think it's probably why I wrote her the way I did in um, Blank Space. Um, yeah. Because I don't... I do find her very frustrating, Twisted. I totally agree with you on that. She's a frustrating character. Um, I don't know uh, where she fits. And um, she... The thing is, is that the Harry Potter world is kind of black and white. You're either one or the other. Mm-hmm. You know? And she doesn't appear to be either. And it's really frustrating. So, Cinna says... Yeah, but her uh, daughter did. Well, yeah, she was disowned and and, and she couldn't do anything because she was disowned and not appear. Well, Tonks went on to become an R. And then she she joined the, the Order of the Phoenix. So, she was active in that. But and Andromeda could Andromeda, have been, but wasn't. Yes. So I'm wondering, um, maybe Andromeda did something else. I mean, hell, for all we know, she could have held a safe house, you know, which would have been useful. Yeah, but Tonks, you know, um, you know actually Tonks would have been disowned um, or never acknowledged, which is just as bad as being disowned because her mother was disowned. So Tonks was no more a member of the House of Black than, than her mother was. No, she wasn't. Mm-hmm. That stuff is kind of hereditary. Yeah. And by um, I don't know, acknowledging I just, Andromeda I, again and legitimizing her marriage, she legitimized Tonks. I just, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. There's something about her that, that puts me off. Mr. <laughs> Ryder says, I think my head cousin is starting to say that she was so nuts that neither side wanted her. And if she was crazier than Bellatrix. Oh, oh. That's so not how about good. This? <laughs> so, how about this? She's perfectly sane ish for a black um, until the, the, um, the zoning actually goes through, and I don't remember who did it. It might have been you, but there was the this thing of they're perfectly willing to let muggle-borns or half-borns into the family so long as they don't produce children because they, they add their, their family or their nascent family magic into the already established magic. That was me. When Androm- well, I wrote okay, that when too. Andromeda- I'm not sure who else did. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but when Andromeda had Nymphadora, if at the birth Nymphadora at, and, and the successful birth of a, of a legitimate or legitimate within the marriage child, that's when Andromeda was was um, disowned, and that broke her mind. And her husband Tonks, he's what's kept her sane by whatever marriage bond application spells. You know, 
sheer guts of um, willpower. And when at the end of the war, after Nymphadora and, you know, uh, Remus are dead and they have Petty and her husband is dead and she goes off the deep end, that's when Harry takes Petty. See, she's writing a story here. You see this? <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. But, um, but that would explain that would explain why nobody wants her because the cracks in her head are huge. <laughs> I just think when it comes right down to it, um, number one, um, if she had proven the slightest bit loyal to Sirius, it would have totally ruined J.K. Rowling's plot. Um, yeah. Uh, number two, um, the only choice in that instance was to write her as someone who was weak. Mm-hmm. She was not weak enough to be a Death Eater, but too weak to join but the she Order. she wasn't strong enough. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Julie says Sirius was the biggest plot device in her work, and everything around him was practically a plot hole. Yeah, there's so much. Like, <laughs> how could all these people in the Order just be okay with not knowing what and why what happened? You know, really? This is someone they've known all their lives. Basically, they were in Hogwarts together, and they let him go to prison without a trial, and not one single person in Magical Britain had a fucking thing to say about it. Is that really how that works? Author hand waves of destiny, here we come. His own grandfather, who was not a Death Eater, said nothing about Sirius going to jail? When did he die again? 1991. Oh, that's almost nine years after it happened. Yeah. Yeah. He had plenty of time to, to figure... I don't buy it. Uh, and here's the thing, and I said it once um, <laughs> in a fic. <laughs> don't Dumbledore potioned him because he's a twat. I, I have to believe that, yeah. actually. I have to believe that somebody interfered magically with the grandfather. Um, and... As far as his mother is concerned, if Sirius actually had been a Death Eater, she probably would have bribed his way out. Uh-huh. If Burke, he yeah, had been a-, a Death Eater, he would have been just as free as Lucius Malfoy because his uh-huh. mother would have bought his way out of um, whatever charges they would have filed. That alone should have proven yep. to a whole bunch of people that he wasn't, in fact, guilty. If they were rational, and we and we know they're not, which reminds me of that line I wrote yeah. in Harry Potter's Soulmate Bond, where Harry says, "No one rational is going to believe that," and Hermione says, "Well, then that means half of everybody who reads this paper is going to believe it," and she really <laughs> meant that shit. Uh huh, and that's really sad. And here's oh. the thing: here's the thing that you have to keep in mind that people don't mention often or at all is that. Dumbledore, there's no way he didn't know. There is absolutely no way he didn't know. 
Think about it. There's a portrait sitting in his office that has a remote portrait right into Grimrod Place, right up next to uh-huh. Walburga. They, he would have had conversations with her. He would have known that Sirius wasn't a Death Eater, and he would have known that Sirius hadn't had a trial, and he could have gone back to Dumbledore and probably didn't say, hey, you know what? Sirius isn't actually a Death Eater. Uh-huh. But that would require that, that um, it not interfere with uh, Dumbledore's plans. Because God knows that man had plans. Uh, oh yeah. I want to write a story aspect. where a creature decides that since um, is it creature or creature? creature Either way, creature decides that since Harry is Sirius's heir, that he has to go take care of him, and he goes to Privet Drive to take care of him, oh. and he lives in the cupboard under the stairs, and he makes the Dursleys give Harry a real bedroom, because Harry deserves a real bedroom, and then Creature just tortures the fuck out of the Dursleys, like, for 13 years, or ever how long. That sounds fabulous. I think that's just the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh-huh. My Master Harry does not have to do those chores. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just imagine? Or oh, worse, God, we, we, better yet, Creature didn't know Harry existed until Harry got his Hogwarts letter. Right? So then he goes to Privet Drive to take care of him because it's his duty, and he finds out his master's living in the cupboard. Actually, can you, do you remember the movie Right uh, Right Said Fred or, what, or, or uh, whatever the hell that was? Um, God damn Bob it. Webb. The girl who did, huh? See, I know what you're talking about. Drop Dead Fred. Drop Dead Fred. Yes. Because he gets up under her dress and goes, cobwebs. <laughs> <laughs> I was more thinking... Um, he's invisible, and every time they try and do shit to Harry that's mean and horrible and nasty and evil, Creature does something back. And evil. so they eventually figure out, yes, they eventually figure out the cause and effect, and for however long it is after they figure it out until Harry gets his letter, they're very cautious around the kid. The letter comes, they look at it, the answer to all their prayers is right there. Harry, you're going to be you're a wizard. You're a wizard. <laughs> you're a wizard. Here's your letter. Get the fuck out of the house. <laughs> you know, they are so totally careful around this kid. They tiptoe everything. Time enough to eat. All good. Class. But okay. better, actually, I think better than than creature who is kind of evil to send Dobby <laughs> who's Harry oh, Potter's who's biggest fan, and right? So, and uh-huh. Dobby has already demonstrated an inability to know what his limits are. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, he broke Harry's arm trying to get him thrown out of Hogwarts. Okay, so just think about that. If he loves him some Harry Potter, just imagine <laughs> that he would treat people he don't like. 
<laughs> I don't have to. Actually, you're kind of doing it for me. <laughs> I'm just saying. I think it's great. <laughs> or uh, would be um, really interesting, there's a lot of magical theory involved, if the wards made Petunia treat Harry the way she treated Dudley. And oh, if gosh. she hit Harry, Dudley gets the smack. Are she hits Harry about... on the arm, Dudley gets a bruise. She doesn't feed Harry, Dudley is starving. You're talking about a whipping boy. No, I'm talking about um, karma. Yeah. No, well, yeah, karma too, but you're also talking about the wards making making um, Dudley the whipping boy. Well, you do it to Vernon if you don't want to do it to a baby. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather do it to Vernon. <laughs> because when when Dudley was a small, small child, which is what happened when you know uh, they showed up, when Harry showed up, he had no clue. You know, all he was was a fat, overfed baby who was just who was just indulged. It was already you know, spoiled rotten, and well, potentially spoiled rotten, but probably no more spoiled than any other child. But it was only when Harry got there that I'm really betting that it got got to the horrific level because I don't know. I don't agree with that. Actually, I think that Dudley was already spoiled rotten because just. Ugh. Just think about it. Do, do you think that that treatment of Vernon happened overnight? That that, that Harry's response, that, that Harry arriving, is the reason that Vernon was overindulged? And um, oh no, I I I'm pretty sure Vernon was overindulged, but I'm I'm not thinking that there was that simpering level of catering. Oh, um, that <laughs> that we saw. I don't know because it, when when. When Minerva is there and she's watching them, um, yeah, she calls them the worst sort of muggles. But right, not just Vernon, but Petunia too. So what she's mm-hmm. seen all day, she's seen yeah. Petunia with her kid all day. Yeah. So what could she have seen from Petunia all day to make her the worst sort? Point. We. We know she wasn't mistreating Dudley, at least not in the traditional sense. She wasn't, you know, ignoring him or not feeding him, which means she was overindulging him and treating him like a prince. Already or creating like a, piglet, a terrible she's... child. Yeah. 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 I don't know. There's... um. But it There's could a be like a karma things. where if she hits Harry, she gets the bruise. And if she doesn't feed oh, Harry, work. she's the one that starves. And that way you can um, you can hit Vernon with it, too. If he mistreats Harry, if Harry's cold because Vernon won't give him a blanket, then Vernon is freezing his ass off. You know, just, you know, the wards punish Any... them for their bad behavior. Oh, it... It would also work if they said, you know, if they try to get Dudley to do it and it bounced back on Dudley, it would be a karma. Um, would it be on the wards themselves or would it be carried within Harry's person himself? Because that would bite on on certain people. 
Well, see, here's the thing about that. Magical theory in the series says that Harry carries those wards. If he didn't carry them, then he wouldn't have had that impact on on um, Cromwort. Uh-huh. So the, the wards are not only on the house, they're in Harry. That's his mother's protection. So if Lily's protection was tweaked just a little... But who could do it? Oh, what if Minerva does it? (laughs) She goes to visit. She she sees Harry being mistreated, but she knows she can't get around Dumbledore. So she tweaks the ward. She could be, she could have been um, Lily's researching partner for this. And And, yeah, Moody could do it or Flitwick. Flitwick has potential because he's got some goblin blood, so maybe he doesn't do it, but he sees it, and he can't impact the wards, but he goes to the bank and talks to his uncle or whatever, his cousin, whoever it may be, and says, hey, we need these wards adjusted a little bit. Because our our potential patron, um, you know, the Lord uh, Potter of, you know, the ancient house of Blah, is being, you know, abused, and we want him to grow up so that way he can take, you know, position and do all those lovely things. That we need to fly under Dumbledore's radar. Yes, and so we can't go we should, in like, and... should, like, second half of this that time we fly the Harry Potter book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not writing it together. It'll never get finished. Um... Oh, did you see that dig she just did on me? She just totally done a hole <laughs> in, my, in my heart. Oh. It's so small and black. You really think I can deal, uh, dig a hole in it? You terrible, mean person. Mine's, mine's beating like charcoal right beside yours. Don't even. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what would be interesting would be if, if he can't... Let's just say this is happening when he's two or three years old. So at that point, I'm betting... Um, Petunia's already kicked him out of the house at say, on, on any reasonable day when she won't be completely trashed by her neighbors for kicking a child outside. And Harry's doing something, and let's say <laughs> Flitwick has done his whole thing. I'm ignoring that. Um, and, over, and over the wall sails this nice, shiny stone. Because I don't know about you, but most kids will pick up something shiny. I would. <laughs> and I'm not a kid. Yeah. I, I totally pick it up. I would. I'm that person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so he, you know, he picks up this thing, and embedded in it is the the tweak, if you will. And when he opens his hand, it's gone. Because all it was was the the, sol- the the solidification of the spell, for whatever reason. And as soon as he picked it up, it, you know, it's in, it's his, it's in him now. And Flitwick, you know, he can't go in there. He can't cross the ward line, but he Without can certainly Dumbledore lob knowing. something across it. Exactly. Yeah, he can. But he can certainly lob something across it. And he's a charm master. Yeah, he, yeah. So it doesn't and have to be not, part of the wards. It could just be a karma nope. charm that puts in Harry, that's got so much yep. potential because what happens when Harry gets to Hogwarts? 
Well, it'd be oh cross. Dumbledore might know. Dumbledore yeah. monitors the wards. Uh huh. You know, but and also, you know, um, person who is he that Dumbledore Dumbledore is going to see and accept crossing those wards is a squib. Miss, um, whatever the hell her name is. Arabella Fig. Miss Figs. Yeah. Muggles and, and Arabella so, Figs. So if, so if a magical person crossed the wards, there are probably um, notifications that like Dumbledore would yes. get on his little instruments. As uh-huh. far as the fanon goes, those things are all attached to the wards on Privet Drive. Uh-huh. But if he has this nice, shiny, quote-unquote, rock that he lobs over the wards or lobs across the property line that is where the, the wards end, and Harry picks it up, and it, it's absorbed into him, and it's that karma charm that integrates and, and you know, wriggles into the what Lily set to him that Flitwick knows because, you know, um, you know, he helped Lily. His favorite. Yeah. Yes. And so the, um, you know, it it moves and grows with Harry. All right, and I think if I'm they change the words that Dumbledore might know, so I think the charmed object um, that kind of goes into Harry works better because you don't want to get Dumbledore's attention. No, no, you really don't. <sighs> and if Flitwick wanted to pull it. And the first time he had Harry in his class, and he walks by and he pats him on his shoulder, he can he could, in theory, pull the charm off, cancel it out. But you don't want to do that because Harry what has would to be, go home every summer. Right. But what would be more interesting would be is he pats him on on you know the shoulder and he does a, a brief check, and that karma charm has integrated itself into everything. And he walks off and he hums to himself and, you know, it's this nice, lovely little goblin war chant and he's off on his way. You know, and he... <laughs> nothing to see here. <laughs> and he... Nothing to see here, nothing to... No, nope, nope. And, you know... Oh, Arlie has a good point. All Flitwick would have to do is, is do it while Harry's at school. Elementary school. You know what would be really fun? Is that... Huh. If the goblins figured out that Harry was in a bad spot and he really was their patron, so they, like, infiltrate his life. Like, his <laughs> teachers at school are actually goblins. That would be great. And, like, the next door neighbor is actually side. a family of goblins that moved in with with glamours. And they, like, take <laughs> over, like and just surround Privet Drive and no one knows. And... And Mrs. Number number four is actually a goblin. Um, uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, that would be so much fun. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, you, could, you could have a whole lot of fun with that. Just um, the idea of... Well, wait a um, second. 
Ghoster Pop well, says she's a squib, though, but we we only know she's a squib because because Dumbledore says she's a squib. Right. So that doesn't mean she actually is one. She just everybody thinks she's one. Yeah, which actually would make a hell of a lot of sense if you know Dumbledore has been told that she's a squib. Yeah, she she flat out I'm a squib. You know, hand wave of destiny. She's not one. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about her either because she was there that whole time. And don't tell me she didn't recognize that Harry was underweight, that he wasn't tall as he was supposed to be, that that his shoes were torn and his clothes were three sizes too big. Don't tell me she never noticed any of these things. Um, And so I think she has to be um, evil as Dumbledore or potion to the gills. I think she's potion to the gills and imperious. She's been memory charmed so much, her brain is Swiss cheese. Or Basically. she's a psycho. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the two choices you have. She's either a fucking psycho, the squib version of Bellatrix, or, or she's been potioned so much that she doesn't know right from wrong, up from down. <laughs> You certainly can, Senna. You can make Mrs. Figgy anything you fucking want to be. Uh huh. You could actually make Mrs. Fig an undercover goblin. <laughs> that would definitely be interesting. Or maybe, oh, a croaker. <laughs> that would be so great. Oh. Be fucking unspeakable. <laughs> different factions in Privet, Privet Drive, not just the goblins. The Unspeakable has somebody there. The, ICW, the ICW has somebody there. Like, there's all kinds of undercover agents in Privet Drive. It's just like chock full of so every, agencies everybody and group who keeping an eye on him. There. And like, come to find out, Petunia and Vernon and Dudley are like the only muggles living on Privet Drive. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh god. I see here's the thing about the the situation that Harry lives in. I don't believe for an instant that Dumbledore ever went to check on him. I think he trusted the magic, the, the wards he put into place, and he never once went back to check to on check. the child he had dropped off. So it doesn't matter what because kind of life Harry lives, as long as those wards don't report anything out of the ordinary. There's a werewolf couple okay, next but, door. I mean, just like that, just like that. <laughs> literally, Petunia and Vernon and Dudley are the only Muggles living on Privet Drive. The only ones. 
It would be great. Someone needs to write this for me. Uh, actually, literally Spencer trolls. That's really funny. Oh God! You know what would be really hysterical would be as soon as you know, um, year what seven is over for for Harry or. Um, I don't know. Uh, basically, the last time he get he he gets on the train and he he gets ready to leave, there's all these for sale signs all the way all over Privet, and <laughs> you know it happens between one morning and the next. And Vernon walks out and goes, "Pet, what the hell's happening?" And she <laughs> walks out and there's all these for sale signs. <laughs> What the hell's going on? Because everybody's moving because Harry won't live there anymore. Yeah. Oh. Oh, God. (laughs) Sinna just put up something horrible. Oh. That's just not right. So, one of the things I bought for myself right before I started um, getting sick was uh, mint ice cream, and the kitten has decided that it smells good. He wants to stick his head in my in my cart. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, we only have about four minutes left. Do you realize that? Huh. I had mm. fun. Did you have fun? I had a great deal of fun. So, so it was good for you. Oh, baby, it was so good for me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I actually, um, I am thinking about writing a serious Lily um, story um, pairing, um, just because I think it would be really interesting to have. <laughs> that sacrifice built on James's sacrifice and um Lily having to move on and um and not move on with Snape cuz i've seen that yeah. and and Lily knowing that Severus was the one that portrayed them i i want her to know that i i want her to know she, that he was willing to bargain her son's life for hers and because that's not love and no, and I can. That's love. It, they 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 need a psychiatrist because that's not love. Um, it's it's terrible. It is, and I can also see where you know in in that type of thing where um, uh, Severus looks at her and goes, "How could you choose him? You know, why why couldn't you have chosen me?" And what you feel for me isn't love, you know. And 
her saying that and him not being able to get it. It's not love. Yeah. It's not because um Uh, it's situations like um, when my sister um, was getting ready to marry her husband, and he has uh, three kids. Um, and uh, we were talking about it, and she said that um, that she, when he first asked her to marry him, she said no. She didn't need to get a little bit more time, and. When he asked the third time, she said yes. And he said, why'd you make me wait so much? And she said, I had to love your children as much as I loved you before I could marry you. And so that means she had to spend time with his kids and get to know them and, and love them like a mom would because she wasn't just marrying him. She was marrying all four of them. And it was... um. It was important to her that she walked into that marriage loving all four of them and not just him. Um, And there's no situation where I can see Severus Sape ever loving Harry as much as he loves Lily. Which means it's not love. No, he resented that child far too much. We're down to 36 seconds. You guys have a great evening. I'll probably be back tomorrow as I'm still fucking snowed in. And... (laughs) <laughs> we'll talk some more shit. I don't know. We'll we'll figure something out. Say good night. Oh yeah, might as well. Good night. Shut, shut up, up and sit down. down. down.